Welcome to AFT in Action, a podcast for members of AFT Connecticut-affiliated local unions. We're approximately 30,000 working people in the public and private sectors, teachers and school support staff, nurses and healthcare workers, higher education faculty and public employees in nearly 90 unions across the state. The series provides a deeper dive into issues impacting our members and our movement as part of AFT Connecticut's engagement and communications efforts. Welcome back, sisters and brothers. Today we have another special episode of AFT in Action. I'm Jan Hockville, your State Fed President, and we are once again recording our discussion online in order to stay safe and stay home. Today we are continuing our series on the impact of COVID-19 on our members and our communities. I've asked Yvonne Hamm to join us as our co-host for this episode focused on public employees. She's joining us from her home in Bristol. Yvonne, it's been just a little over a year since you were elected to AFT Connecticut's Executive Committee, and what a year you chose to join. At the same time, you've continued serving as the first vice president of our UHP, or University Health Professionals. And your members are caring for patients at the Yukon Health Center in Farmington and have been the frontline workers for this coronavirus since March. So I just want to say thank you to them. Your perspective has been so valuable throughout this difficult time. I really appreciate having you on our leadership team. This has been a tough year, uh, but we've made it this far by having each other's backs, standing together and putting our patients first, which is exactly how health professionals make it through any tough day, pandemic or not. I'm honored and proud to be representing our 2,801 members in over 150 job titles who step up every day to provide a wide variety of quality public services to citizens across our state. Absolutely, and that's why I asked you to join me as my co-host. And as I mentioned, we're taking a look at how the pandemic is impacting public employees and the services that they deliver. And to do that, we're going to talk about the issues facing Connecticut state workers like you and your colleagues at UHP. Right, Jan. And in some ways, the past five months have helped the public better appreciate us. The endless lawn signs, thank you frontline workers, the food, the PPE donations we've received certainly give me hope for a better future. The public certainly has shown their appreciation. I wish I could say the same about our state government and our employers. But at the same time, we've been dragged into debates on how the pandemic has hit the state budget. Worse, some have exploited the economic downturn caused by COVID-19 to score political points against us, and employers quickly forgot about the sacrifices that those they called heroes made and are now laying off those heroes or asking them to again give up previously agreed to negotiated raises. Sadly, you're absolutely correct. Anti-union special interests in the politicians they prop up never miss an opportunity to pit working people against each other. Fortunately, the vast majority aren't really interested in scapegoating public employees. In fact, a national poll in mid-April found that nearly two-thirds of Americans favor the work of local and state government workers at this crisis. That's heartening, Jan. We have a lot of work ahead of us convincing elected leaders to make better choices than the old austerity playbook. And my hope is that this November, we elect government officials that value public employees who provide a public service to our communities. Exactly, Yvonne. And that's why we've asked a legislator with a solid record of defending state employees to join us. It is my pleasure to welcome State Representative Mike D'Agostino to our latest episode of AFT in Action. But thanks, thank you both for having me. And uh, I wanna uh, echo your comments, Jan, thanking Yvonne. Uh, for, for all the work that she does and, and her members do, and, and of course AFT generally, uh, the, the broad swath of uh, both 
um, state and, and, and even municipal uh, employees that you guys represent. You're, you're really the backbone of, of uh, in the economy and the state moving right now. So we appreciate it. I want to start by thanking you for everything you've done for Connecticut, but more specifically, thank you for nearly eight years of being a true champion for protecting collective bargaining rights in the General Assembly. Um, that support has meant a lot to my members and myself personally. We really, really do appreciate it. And Mike, let me also thank you for leading the fight to fix our state's broken educational funding formula, plus advocating for numerous revenue generating policies that you know would shore up the additional public services. I, I appreciate that, but but really, I'm I'm just uh, like I said, I'm I'm just doing what I can to support you guys in the legislature. I I, I think myself and other members of the legislature really appreciate everything that our public employees do and. Um, Look, you know, any, I think that's really been been highlighted uh, right now over these past few months, quite frankly. So, Mike, before we dive into our main topic, um, can we talk about what brought you into the legislature? Mike, you practice law and serve on Connecticut's Appleseed Board of Directors. The nonprofit works to improve access to education, healthcare, financial, and other services for the underserved communities. And before your election in 2012 to the State House, you served on and even chaired Hamden School Board. Clearly, you saw the public service as a calling. Can you share what motivated you to run and to hold the local and state office? So, Jan, you, you know this uh, about me, that, uh, that my, my parents were uh, public school teachers. My father later got his doctorate, became a superintendent of schools. So uh, public education was always something that, that I grew up with and had an interest with. And that's really what... Uh, uh, led me to initial service on the Hamden Board of Education, as you as you mentioned. And being on a board of education, of course, you can't help but be involved in the decisions surrounding education aid, which you mentioned, which was a real um, and still is an interest of mine. And uh, being more and more steeped in that uh, as a board chair, then sitting across the table from and working collaboratively with our, our teachers' unions, our paralegals, our administrator unions. Um, you know, I just became more and more steeped with all those issues, and then that's what really led me to, to run in the legislature, where hopefully I've continued um, some efforts in those regards, as you mentioned, in terms of education funding and certainly in trying to support our, our public employees. Well, Mike, that certainly helps illustrate what we mean when we talk about the importance of electing champions to the legislature. So Yvonne and I were talking earlier about how this public health crisis has stimulated support for frontline workers, particularly public employees. How do you think the pandemic has changed public perception of our members and the services we deliver? Well, that that is a, a really important question, Jan. I'm I'm actually glad you asked it because um, it, it's you and Yvonne were talking about this more generally about you know attacks on public employees. I'm sure, we'll, we'll talk about that. But I, I really think the pandemic has focused uh, people, both in Connecticut and across this nation, on the critical work that public employees do, and that I think they don't think about in their daily lives, right? You don't, you don't think about all the machinery of government that's at work that makes your life lives easier uh, and, and smooth. But this has, this has focused um, the attention on exactly that work. Every labor employees, public health employees, teachers, obviously, a main topic of conversation right now, and paraprofessionals, I mean, all the people that we rely on, and, and, and a lot of times don't think about, now they are forefront. So I, I think 
um, that you know this unfortunate crisis, and we all obviously hope it goes away very, very soon, has uh, absolutely uh, galvanized support for for frontline public employee workers and made people realize, oh my God, that's 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 where the tax dollars go. And we talk about what people do. These aren't these aren't you know back office support folks. These are these are frontline people who do a myriad of things that make your lives easier and in, and in this case actually are helping save lives. And so it's it's sort of been a remarkable, I think, refocus on um, what it means to have public employees and, and support for public. Mike, I so agree with you. Um, I think the perception that the public has for, of us now is different than what it was four months ago. I just hope and pray that it's not short-lived, that they remember this going forward because yes, this is a pandemic, but you're right. We save lives every day. Um, so thank you for acknowledging that. That brings us to our, our first member's question. It comes from Lewis, a public employee from Enfield, and he sent it to our AFT Connecticut Facebook fan page. He asked about Republican legislatures in the House trying to get the governor to break our current contract in order to cancel contractual raises. While that didn't happen this time, can you share your concerns about such reprehensible tactics being attempted again? That's a great question and a, and a very timely one. And there's a couple of parts to that, so, so forgive me if I, if I a couple of different pieces of it to answer that question. Um, first, with what we were just talking about, right? The perception of public employees. I think for too long we've let certain, um, you know, right-wing groups sort of um, define attacks on public employees and say, oh, you know, they they just get all this money and they don't do anything. Well, clearly that's not the case. The pandemic is really, as I said, illustrated that that's not the case. But that doesn't stop them from trying. And as uh, Lewis's question reflects. You know, we saw this effort in Connecticut and in other states where the, um, the public employees contracts, the contracts that the state of Connecticut has with those employees, these are legal binding contracts on the state of Connecticut. They've said, you should just break that, not these raises. Now, I wanna put that question in context here because this is really important for your listeners, both who are state employees and public employees and those who are not. The, those those contractual obligations um, didn't just appear out of nowhere. They were born out of negotiations several years ago when at the time, state employees gave back $1.5 billion to the state of Connecticut in 2017 to fill a huge budget, budget deficit. They took zeros in any kind of raises, they took increases in their health payments, in their, in their, um, in their benefits. Um, there was a complete restructuring of retirement benefits for new employees. All of this in 2017 to help plug a huge hole in the state of Connecticut's budget, which had that hole not been plugged by virtue of what the public employees sacrificed, there would have been massive cuts to education aid, to towns, tax increases, services, et cetera. That is what the public employees did for the state of Connecticut uh, back in 2017. And they gave those zeros in 2018 and 2019 as well for, for most people. And in return for that, the contract, which was over several years, um, said you will get a two and a half percent increase now in, in, in this, this coming year. Well, we're just living up to that contractual bargain 
And that increase, by the way, doesn't anywhere come close to making up what those public employees sacrificed for the state of Connecticut uh, in 2017 through that budget hole. So this is not just a matter of the state of Connecticut just handing out money for the sake of it. This was part of a negotiated solution that saved the taxpayers of Connecticut and is still saving the taxpayers of Connecticut billions, that B, billions with a B, the structural changes that the public employees agreed to in that contract in terms of retirement benefits, healthcare benefits, salary, are long-term changes that are saving the state of Connecticut, not only the 1.5 billion in 2017-18, but $25 billion over the next 20 years, fiscal stability. That's what the public employees contract did. And the the salary increases that, that are being sort of siphoned off and talked about in isolation were a small price to pay for that, in, in, in my mind. And that's what people need to understand. Those increases are cannot and should not be viewed in, in isolation. Um, and then you layer on top of that, <laughs> all that these people are being asked to do now um, when their numbers have been slashed by 30% over the last 10 years, and you're completely understaffed at Department of Children and Families, Department of Labor, all these other departments that are now being asked to do double and triple time now in a pandemic. Um, I, 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 again, you cannot look at that in isolation. But that, of course, is exactly the They want the public to say to be angry at public employees and not focus on all the good, both short-term and long-term, that those public employees have, have done. So um, that's just a, sort of a contextual answer to that question, and I apologize for being a bit long-winded about it, but it really, it really bothers me when I see those kinds of attacks made in isolation without an explanation of all uh, of what's involved in it. But uh, to answer the specific question, yeah, I am concerned that that, that sort of tactic is going to just keep being repeat, repeated and repeated. And the only way to address it is the way I did by explaining to people, letting people know exactly what um, the context is for that contract and the billions of dollars in long-term savings. But it, it'll come again. And, and, and the next time this contract is up, you'll be asked again to give back. And, and you know, I, 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 I get the public employee's perspective of, of saying, you know, we, we keep being asked to, to give and then are being attacked for it. Um, and that's really the kind of narrative that we have to be talking about, not the question in isolation. But I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it'll come up again and I'll be happy to answer it again. Obviously, you get it. <laughs> um, I got it. Um, I hope our listeners get it, both, you know, public employees, uh, legislatures, um, our communities. What more do you recommend union leaders and members do to push back on the repeated attempts to extract additional concessions from us? You all have to do what it is you all have always done, which is just make sure your members are, are organized and educated, right? And, and, know, and know the response is not to, not to fight that fight in the isolated manner in which it's presented, but to talk more generally about, um, you know, all the good things that you've done for the state of Connecticut and are continuing to do. And look, AFT in particular, you guys did a great job organizing in the face of the Janus decision, right? It's a topic for another day, but everybody predicted doom and gloom. Oh, you know, uh, people are gonna drop out of their unions. And what you did in advance of that was you organized, you made sure they all knew their rights. Um, and you didn't experience uh, an, an exodus of members because people appreciated 
that the strength that there exists to being in the union. It's the same thing here with respect to responding to these attacks. Be organized, make sure your members are educated, and, and then and that spreads out to legislators and, and the general public um, as well. Mike, I have to say thank you also for explaining to our listeners about the contract and the raises that our members were due. You know, those on the front lines, um, you're spot on. Um, and it was really good advice. It reinforces the need for our movement to always be organizing no matter what the circumstances. So our final question comes from another member. Amy is a public employee from Insonia and sent an email to our podcast inbox. She asked about funding the front lines to keep our state running during the pandemic. Her question, in two parts, is really directed at executive and judicial branch agency chiefs, but we'd like to hear your take as a legislator, since it gets to the need for more resources, not more cuts, to reopen Connecticut. She asks about employees covering the cost of protective gear, like masks and gloves, or disinfectant supplies like Clorox wipes and hand sanitizers. What can lawmakers do to be sure that there are resources for department budgets um, to provide such safeguards? To me, though, ultimately, this is a question of federal resources. And uh, we really do need to make sure that our federal representatives are doing everything they can to make sure that as, many, as much in resources as possible are coming to the state because our municipal budgets are being strained by this, the state budget's being strained by this, by the need for these resources, and we're going to need federal help. Um, we certainly need it now, and we've gotten some, and which is great, and I know the state is, is working to distribute that $1.6 billion in federal aid that we've already received for these resources, but we're going to need more. So, you know, all I can tell you is from a lawmaker's perspective, we're doing everything we have with the resources that we have. We just need more funding from the federal government, the state of Connecticut, as other states do, to make sure that uh, that, that continues. Well, Mike, I think our members completely understand why we invited you to be part of this discussion. Your answers are so appreciated. Um, and thank you again for taking the time out to be part of the conversation, despite the uh, the social distancing. Absolutely. Anytime. I'm happy to be on. You know, these are topics that I really uh, want to talk about, like talking about. I expect that uh, that you and I and, and Yvonne and, and all of our, all your members will be talking about them going forward, especially in the next year or two, um, you know, as we as we look to our state employees, again, to, to continue to serve as as the backbone uh, of, of, of this state, both uh, economically and certainly when it comes to the response to this, to this pandemic. So thank you, thank you guys for having me and my best to all your members. Avon, thank you again for joining me on AFT in Action. Your point of view as a state employee, a union leader and a nurse is really so insightful. Thank you for the support AFT has provided, not only during this pandemic, but every day to all of our locals. Um, these podcasts are important reminders for all our members of the strength of the UNI union. Well said. So we'll keep the conversation going on the impact of COVID-19 for our next several episodes of AFT in Action. We want to answer questions school support staff, higher education faculty, and health professionals in the private sector have about what comes next in this crisis. So send any comments by email to actnetreply at AFTCT.org, that's A-C-T-N-E-T-R-E-P-L-Y, at sign, AFTCT.org. Plus, you can leave a voice message by dialing 860-257-9782 and asking for extension 116. That's 
257-9782, extension 116. Thank you in advance for being heard. And thank you again for all that you are doing for your communities as we struggle to get through this crisis. Whether on the front lines or behind the scenes, you have all taken on so much. I am, as always, inspired by our members. That's a wrap for this latest edition of AFT in Action. Additional episodes are available at our Podbean page and social media channels, all of which can be found at aftct.org. Like what you heard? Then share with fellow members and encourage they give it a listen too and help build the power of the UNI in union.